Welcome to the Gin Ignite podcast. Whether you want to party or stay in, gin will ignite. This is the weekly show coming to you on a Friday, ready for the weekend, where we go through all things gin. If you want to find more out more information, catch me on Instagram at Gin Ignite or alternatively go to the website www.ginignite.com. Welcome to the show and let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 31. Today I'm joined by Ian Sterling from the Port of Leith Distillery. Ian worked for a number of years in the wine industry before being offered the chance to set up his own whiskey distillery. As part of that setup, he created the Linden Lime Gin, which has gone on to gain a series of awards and accolades. More from Ian in a bit. Hello and welcome to Christmas Day 2020. I hope you're having a great day if you listen to me on the day. If not, I hope you had a great day. Now, the news for this week is going to be very, very short. I just want to get on with the interview and leave you to your day. If you celebrate, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas or having a very Merry Christmas and I hope you have a Happy New Year. I know 2020 has been very, very difficult and I really hope that 2021 is going to be much, much better. And I'm really looking forward to joining you next year. My weekly recommendation this week is the Gowagin company, Pinwood Gin. There are a few distilleries, the Port Leith Distillery or Linden Lime being one of them, where I'm a real fanboy. And what I mean by that is I am an absolute fan of everything they produce. The Gower Gin Company is definitely one of those distilleries. I've spoken about it before, but Sean and Andrew are just botanical wizards as far as I'm concerned. The way they mix the botanicals together is sublime. And each taste that they produce in each of their gins is like paradise on your palate. Each of their gins is so distinctive, but so well balanced. And Pinwood is no exception. The nose of the gin is a subtle aroma of orange and pink peppercorns. Upon taking it neat, you kind of get the dryness initially, followed by a sweet taste, which kind of meanders into orange and cranberry hitting your palate. Finally, sort of tapering off with pink peppercorns. I tried it with Fever Tree Mediterranean Tonic, as I always do, and it made a very, very pleasant G&T with a real sort of subtle orange and peppercorn taste. I think, if I'm honest, you could easily pair this with most tonics, but I would avoid ones that have a very strong flavour. I'd definitely like to try this as a dry martini, and I can see this working really well with many type of cocktails, such as the recommended Negroni. This is a really gorgeous gin, and if you really want to sort of try the Gower gins, I can certainly recommend the four pack, which is uh, like a flat pack. Uh, And I would also recommend the six pack that they offer, which basically allows you to try all of their their gins. I hope you give you an idea of which one that you want to pick. But you could be like me and you haven't got a clue because they're all amazing. This definitely deserves to be added to my list of gin wants. And I'm really hoping it's going to appear on my gin shelf very, very soon. And now for my talk with Ian Sterling from the Port of Leith Distillery. Patrick and Ian always wanted to set up a whiskey distillery, but knew they had to get some skills first. So they decided to share a flat in London 
Ian became a wine merchant and Patrick became an accountant. Mid-2013, Ian and Patrick firmed up their idea for the Port of Leith Distillery. They found a location in mid-2015 for the distillery and sought investment. By mid-2017, they were designing the distillery and established the Tower Street Still House. In 2018, they imported some sherry and this was swiftly followed by their Lind and Lime Gin. In 2019, they were exporting Linden Lime Gin to eight countries, winning awards for gin and acquired a distillery site. In 2020, the construction began of the distillery site. Wow, what a whirlwind. Let's find out a bit more. Hello, Ian. Hello, Ben. Hi, thanks for having me. That's all right, no problem at all. So what, what kind of made you move from being sort of a wine merchant to effectively selling a product? It's quite a sort of interesting pivot. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was very fortunate, actually. I, I had a wonderful career in the wine industry. I um, started off like many people do, you know, lifting boxes at Majestic Wine, but then ended up uh, working for a, a London merchant called Roberson Wine, where I was importing wines from around the world and selling them to Marks and Spencers, but also exporting to, to clients in, in sort of uh, Southeast Asia. And it was wonderful and it was lovely. And, and it's a fascinating industry to work with. Um, you, you learn so much, you get to travel to beautiful places. Um, but I think it, it, it's an issue that many people in the wine industry have that, that eventually they start looking at the producers and start going, oh, I want to be one of you. Um, and of course, <laughs> being, being Scottish, you know, we, we're, we're not famed for our wine up here. Um, so, so, you know, I was thinking, well, what could I make? Well, it's going to have to be, you know, whiskey. That, that, that's our thing. Um, and, and of course, I had uh, as well developed a great sort of love of, of whiskey and gin um, uh, with Paddy. And slowly but surely, sort of over time, as, as our careers were developing, we, we, we conceived this idea and, and, you know, developed over time in our careers as well, the skills whereby we, we thought we could make a go of it. So it was, a, it was a tough decision. It was a wonderful job. I had a wonderful career, but um, I, was, uh, I was more than ready when the opportunity came to, to make the break. And, and how did the sort of whole idea start for the Port of Leith Distillery? Because I imagine it sort of was an idea initially and then sort of 2013, it sort of became, you know, the seed sort of gemmed into something else. But where did it sort of start from? Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, Paddy and I sharing a flat and, you know, as, as um, young 20 somethings in London, um, Paddy was going through his accountancy exams, having a miserable time. And I was uh, doing my deliveries at Majestic. And in the evenings, we'd sort of we'd buy a bottle of whiskey um, and sort of share it and discuss it. And then we started going to tastings and we got more and more into whiskey. And I guess like so many whiskey fans, you know, we were there sat on the sofa going, wouldn't it be awesome to make this stuff? Um, and we, we, we got more into it. We eventually got ourselves a little still and without going into too many details, I'd say we experimented with elements of whiskey production. Um, and, and slowly but surely sort of ideas developed, you know, in doing that, we, we discovered by far the most complicated part of making whiskey is not the distillation. It's, it's the fermentation. You know, first you have to brew a beer because whiskey is distilled beer. And we thought there's so much we could do there. We could do some really interesting things with whiskey if we focused on that. And also coming from Edinburgh, as we both did, we, we realized there's, there wasn't a single malt whiskey distillery in Scotland's capital city. So that in itself seemed like a really exciting opportunity. So it's sort of that this business plan developed in the back, back of our minds. And then it was one day I was having lunch 
brunch with, um, uh, you know, in my wine job. By this time, I was working for Roberson and, and, and working with clients around the world. And I was having lunch with uh, well, my biggest client from China. And we were just discussing dreams and aspirations. And I was saying, well, I've always wanted to build a whiskey distillery in Edinburgh. And they went, oh, I'll fund it. I was like, oh, uh, okay, cool. Um, so uh, I, I immediately called Paddy and said, you know, that whiskey thing, I've, I've, I found a guy who will invest. We, we should do it. And, and that's really when we started taking the whole thing seriously. But that that's eight long years ago, really, that yeah, that yeah. first started. So it's been, it's been a quite a journey since then. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and how, how far sort of into construction are you with the actual whiskey distillery? Um, still, uh, well, my goodness, I, I guess actually we've made huge strides, but, um, uh, so, so I was just down at the site, uh, yesterday, um, we're pouring the concrete now, uh, for the ground floor. Um, so it's been an awful lot of work done down there already. Um, we're, we're on a very complicated site, so we're building in an industrial port, uh, right next to a harbor wall. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we had to do some very complicated, uh, subterranean works, um, for our distillery to make sure that, you know, that this, this vertical distillery that we're building will be supported properly um and finally we got out the ground uh uh kind of uh, i guess in the last couple of months so yeah the, the foundations essentially are are just about done and then as we go into next year the the steel structure will start to emerge out of the ground and and it will really begin to look like a building so we're we're, we're still about uh what are we 15 months away from from finishing it so okay so significant steps made but still a long way to go yeah yeah well that's the i suppose i guess that's the issue isn't it when you're actually building something from scratch it does take a bit longer than you kind of expect with uh, you know and yes yeah and and we're, we're building a very complicated building it's 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 a very significant not not just because of the site but you know building a vertical distillery no one's really done that before and, and you know it's, it's also got offices and a bar and everything on top so it's been uh you know for, for, for two idiots who've never built anything in their lives before it's it's quite a challenging one to start with so. <laughs> And and obviously you've got the the two sites, but because you've also got the still house, which is where sort of the gin production is, is yeah. the is the eventual plan that they'll be sort of combined into one, or will you keep them sort of separate? No, so always our intention to keep them absolutely separate. So so the the distillery we're building will always be just whiskey. Um, it, it'll be where we make the port of leaf single malt. Um, our gin distillery we are going to have to move to something bigger in the in the not too distant future but we we want to put, keep that in a separate location i think it's just easier for you know it, it can be a bit confusing for for, for customers thinking are they a gin producer or are they a whiskey producer sure. and, and we want to have them as as, as two separate entities but you, you certainly sort of um when you set up the the gin distillery you you sort of kind of gone big you, you know and not gone home you, you, yeah. what was the reason for sort of starting big rather than you know maybe you know as, as we were talking before the call you know quite a lot of people sort of start small in sort of somebody's house or in an outbuilding or something like that yeah absolutely well so so for, for whiskey in particular it's it's kind of hard to start small to, to a certain extent uh you know the, the equipment for whiskey is very expensive um it's a lot of time you have to wait before you can sell anything so it's a very challenging business to get into and you know you need to raise investment for that and Part of raising investment is creating a, an enticing proposal for investors. And to some extent, you have to go big or go home because, you know, if you say, oh, I'm going to make, you know, 200 bottles a year, it's going to be amazing stuff. And, you know, we, oh, we should clear maybe 10,000 pounds. You know, they're, they're going to go, well, that's not worth me even looking at. Whereas um, so, so, so you have to hit, hit a sweet spot, essentially, of uh, making it big enough and enticing enough to, to, to attract the attention you need from investors whilst also, you know, uh, 
uh, well, arriving at a, at a volume and, and uh, of whiskey that's actually also going to be sellable as well. So, yeah, we, we settled around. Our, our distillery will produce 400,000 uh, litres pure alcohol every year. That That's sort of how you gauge the size of a whiskey distillery. It equates right. roughly yeah. to um, maybe, you know, a, a million bottles per year. That sounds like a lot, but in the in the sort of world of Scotch whiskey distilleries, we're tiny. We're very, very small indeed. Um, but that's whiskey, really. You have to go big or go home. Uh, gin, gin is a completely different sort of kettle of fish whereby you can start very, very small indeed and slowly but surely scale up. Um, uh, so, yeah, but but even, even with the gin, uh, I guess we started bigger than many others do. Um, we we had a, a certain amount of ambition with with what we wanted to achieve, you know, in in our first year, and so rather than doing it from from our from our uh, back room or garage, um, we we did go ahead and in, you know invest in a in a in a reasonably sized unit to get that going. And and where where does your sort of um, organic neutral grain spirit sort of currently come from for for the uh, the gin distillery? So so yeah, we 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 took the decision from day one to, to, to use organic uh, grain neutral spirit. And so that comes from Switzerland currently. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, indeed. It's, um, but bizarrely, actually, I'm, I'm half Swiss. So uh, that, that's got no nothing to do with why it comes from there. But um, oh. uh, that's that's where we sourced where, it from. Whereabouts but. in Switzerland do you, do you sort of hail from? Well, it's, it's completely through my mum. She 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 uh, she lived in Geneva for quite some time and, and went to the university. So I'm, I guess I'm I'm a little bit Swiss French, but it's uh, got it. It gets quite convoluted when you go into it. I'm not. I I, I to be honest, I barely know Switzerland if I'm honest. Okay. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just interested because I, I lived there for about two and a half years in. A oh really? Neuchâtel. Right. So, so. Oh Neuchâtel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I, I think I had some some very old cousins who live there. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, a, yeah, a very old, old sort of town. But uh, yeah, no, really, really nice. But I, I love, I love Switzerland. It's, def- it's definitely, uh, yeah, a nice, a nice place. Um, are you, I, I, I've been very interested sort of looking at your, your website. You know, it's, it's very sort of informative and you've got a very structured approach to how you sort of produce your gin each week, sort of starting on Monday. Could you just take me through how your sort of gin production kind of works? Well, I, I like that the the website gives a gives an impression that we have a structured approach. And in fact, if if you were to see but see us the last few months here, in fact, throughout the last year, um, it's been uh, well, we've we've just been keeping our heads above water. It's been um, uh, you, you know, it, we're, we've been in, in a very fortunate position this year where sales have grown an awful lot. But um, in you know, within the context of COVID and everything, it's been such a challenge to sort of produce and and keep up with that. We're, yeah, a nice challenge to, to to have in front of us. But um, yeah, but by, by and large, you know, if if you think about um, uh, sort of from from uh, distillation to bottle, it is kind of like a a five day process for us. Um, so you know, on Monday, you know, our distiller Andy, he'd come in um and charge the stills. So we fill it with our GNS. Um, he puts in six of the seven botanicals we use. Um, okay. everything except the lime, and he leaves it there to to macerate. Um, so so two things are kind of happening the the the, the botanicals are rehydrating a little bit um and uh, at the same time they're also imbuing uh the the water and gns with 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 flavor um and then on the next day uh he'll come in very early at uh, six or seven a.m and and turn on the still um our still uh is not fast it, you know so a distillation day is is normally you know maybe 10 or 11 hours altogether to, to go wow. through a batch um, and by the end of that, he, he's got a, a, a distillate, which is about some 60%. And um, then he'll uh, dilute it down to our bottling strength, which is 44%. 
um, and we like to let it settle for a day or two. Um, when you add water to, to, to alcohol, it's, it's not just simple dilution. There's actually a bit of a reaction going on in there. And so, so we like to leave uh, as much time as possible before we then bottle. So, so by that stage, I guess, you know, we're at uh, Friday pretty much. Um, and on that day, uh, we, we have our team of, uh, of bottlers who invariably are recruited from uh, Harriet Watt University, which is um, uh, in Edinburgh, very near to where we, uh, where we produce and, um, and provides us with, uh, with lots of very, very talented yeah. uh, uh, distilling graduates yeah. who come down here and help us bottle. And, and that's, um, that's a team of four or five people uh, hand-filling all the bottles. And then uh, at the moment, we have to hand-label every single one of them as well um and and get them into boxes and and that's kind of the production run if you like um so it, it's it's sort of changed these days where we're doing pretty much two distillations a week uh sometimes three um and uh sometimes we're distilling and bottling on the same day because obviously we're, we're sort of bottling a batch that we made the previous week and stuff so it's it's yeah it's getting getting a bit more complex than that these days ah oh, for the days of just five days for, <laughs> for but it's, it's quite nice on the website because it kind of simplifies the process which yeah, is, but, yeah indeed, you know yeah. but i i understand that you know it, it's good news for you i guess if you're doing sort of two distillations or, or more a week uh, yeah absolutely yeah no we're very fortunate in that yeah. regard yeah. yeah and um what was the sort of reason for choosing such a large still was it was it just again sort of in, for investors just to show i mean the um in the gin distillery yeah well it, it's fine i mean it felt like a large still at the time you know we were thinking oh, are we really going to need this um but uh th these days it, it doesn't <laughs> it's sort of um feels like we might need another still um i, I guess at the time so 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 one of the key elements yeah. of when we when we um we set up the gin still houses we didn't do it alone um, we found a, a local producer called uh, Electric Spirit Co., um, a guy called James Porteous who runs that. And he was already producing a fantastic gin and leaf called Acrus. Um, and we, we hooked up with him. I mean, you know, Paddy and I, I should, I should uh, you know, underline, we're in no ways technical. Um, you, you would not want to drink anything that he and I made. Um, we, you know, we, um, so, so at the time, we were really looking for people who knew what they were doing. And, um, and we, we hooked up with James. And, you, you know, you, you talk about people starting small. He was starting small. He was in a very small unit in, in Leith. Uh, producing a you know relatively small volume of gin, but he was ready to to sort of you know scale up a bit, and so we said to him, look, we we want to set up a gin distillery, um, uh, get a gin moving, maybe you know we and we've got some investment behind us, so you know we we can get a unit together, we'll split the rent, we'll split the overheads, uh, we'll buy the still, you can use it, um, and um, you know together we can we can sort of use these assets and and so if we're using a bigger still well there's two companies using it so so we're definitely going to get you know good usage out of it um and so that that possibly gave us the, the confidence where others might not to to to, to go straight up to a 500 liter still um and 500 liters it's it is actually quite a good size in many regards like you know we, we were looking as 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 demands in, has increased to, to to scaling up to potentially a thousand liters but suddenly you get you get up to a scale where you're going to have to invest an awful lot in in sort of your utilities provision and the amount of power you need and the amount of water so 500 liters bizarrely is sort of sits quite nicely in terms of uh, uh not having to to mess around too much with your 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 building and your utilities and 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 producing with relative ease so yeah it's it's worked out well yeah so so if you were 
would would you then consider maybe getting another 500 litre still so you kind of get capacity that way or that that may well be the answer yes indeed because because then also you can have uh you can have sort of one production macerating in the still while you're distilling on another still and then you know you can you can swap if you like so only use one still a day but but you've got your maceration sitting in in the other one um uh, when the uh, uh, in one while the other is being used if you see what i mean so that that may well be our solution and um sort of coming on to the sort of brand a, a bit more how would you sort of describe the linden lime brand sure well i i, I like to think of it as as uh, as a benchmark london dry gin i mean that that was pure and simple you know what we were trying to do um i i, I think it, you know it, anyone in sort of 2017 i guess when we were looking at this um looking at the gin market and you're thinking does the world really need another gin and and the conclusion i came to was yes absolutely it does um because absolutely yeah definitely. yeah indeed. well well you, you looked around and actually that you know the it, it is such an exciting market and there's so many incredible you know wild and wonderful gins coming out there and that but but actually i, I felt what was missing where, where the space was was to try and go back and do something very simple and cry, try and create something that, that was a benchmark style something that you could say this is what london dry gin should be um and uh, and and in that sort of the you know juniper should be front and center but you know citrus is is obviously the the other sort of um uh, aspect to our gin, uh, to gin i think that, that that sits beside juniper in 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 that ambition um so so yeah, at its core, that's that's what we wanted to create. And you know, we're we're, we're a new distillery company. We've got great ambitions to, to to make a fantastic whiskey as well. And I I think there was something, you know, when when you're starting out with your first product, I think trying to do something very very simple but do it very very well, I think was 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 the right place to go. Um, so that that's what I want Linden Line to sort of be known for really that if you're looking for a gin that tastes like a gin should be um it, that that's what london uh, uh linden lime is um uh, now uh, besides that of course you know uh, the, the the whiskey distillery that we're building is all about creating something very modern and, and new for, for for a very old and traditional industry that is scotch whiskey um and and so we're, we're looking to, to to be very modern in our approach to that but with with the gin we saw an opportunity to actually look back and 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 tell stories about where we're from um, because you know we, we produce in Leith, which is a is a very historic area um, of Edinburgh. It, it, it was for centuries Scotland's gateway to the world, so all of Scotland, Scottish history passed through here, um, and um, most of Scottish industry as well. And for 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 a couple of centuries, really, Leith was Scotland's whisky or distilling and 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 wine district. Um, you know, all the wine came in here in the harbour and and went up around Scotland. Uh, you know, cognac from France, port from Portugal. Um, and and latterly, all the whiskey merchants would be maturing and blending their spirits here. So 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 the the you know we're building an area of incredible heritage, and of course Edinburgh has a remarkable history as well related to the Enlightenment. So so there were lots of stories and and things that that we could look at, and we thought it'd be great to tell stories with that. So so you have a London dry gin that that also. Uh, I think reflects something of of where it's made and and tries to tell some stories about about us and where where we are. And what does the sort of brand mean to you personally? Uh, it means a great deal to me personally. It's it's um it, it's something that I'm exceedingly proud of and 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 I'd like to think um you know represents where we are uh well you know I I I think it's 
it, it's it's an incredibly you know doing anything creative is always uh, qu quite a sort of nerve-wracking and 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 terrifying thing to do you know uh, you you make it and and then it goes out into the world and it's judged and and it's been judged very well so um you know we're, we're we're very proud of it and it has been a great labor of love it took us 18 long months lonely months um <laughs> to to sort of devise it create the bottle create the recipe and and to, to get it out into the world and have it received in, in the way it, that it has been um has been just 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 a dream really you know so so yeah it means it means an awful lot uh to to, to me and my business partner and and indeed everyone in our company who who you know we're, we're a small startup um with just seven employees and and everyone you know everyone here right now is 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 putting a brick in the in the wall of of, of something that we hope will, will live for a very long time and and how does the sort of linden lime brand sort of fit into the overall sort of port of leaf distillery brand yeah so well as i say port of leaf is to, to some extent a separate brand i think but you know port of leaf we intend moving forward to make that more and more synonymous with just whiskey and, okay. and linden lime the, the idea was to, to have something that, that sort of could stand alone um if you like and 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 be synonymous with gin so um uh but but you know right now it is our our only spirit spirit that we produce and, and distribute so uh, i i hope it's set a good benchmark um you know for 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 what we are capable of doing as a company and 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 what we will do in the future um when we're producing our whiskey well i can i can tell you from my point of view it absolutely does uh, i am a massive fan um Thank i've been much. i've been telling as many people as i can you know on instagram and and uh socials and um i've been uh, you know you were my weekly recommendation a couple of weeks ago yeah, because you know when I, when I, I get luckily i you know i do get to taste quite a lot of gin most of it i buy myself but you know this happened to come through um the botanical trading company um it was their um, oh yes it was their sort of uh november um box that, that came through and um whenever i sort of look at gin i sort of um look at gin from from a point of view you know what's it like neat what does it like to you know taste like with 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 ice um neat um does it work with a GNT? Um, does it, you know, does it work in cocktails? And for me, I, I particularly like dry martini. So, so could it be a dry martini? And I've got mm. to say, with your mo and most gins, you know, it might they might be it's a nice gin, works well as a GNT. Wouldn't say it's really a sipping gin. You know, that's, sorry, that's another another thing that I would look at as well. Mm. Your your gin just, and this doesn't happen very often, ticked all the boxes. No. And it's just, you know, I, so, you know, I apologize to anybody listening that I am a massive fanboy of this gin. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just amazing. But That's how, wonderful. Thank how, you. How did you sort of, you know, it always amazes me talking to sort of distillers or in, in your case, sort of, um, you know, you had the concept and the idea of taste, but how did you sort of start the sort of whole concept behind, behind the gin? Um, well, uh, in terms of the recipe or yeah i've just you know i mean obviously you know you knew you wanted it to be a london dry you knew it wanted to, it to be sort of um citrus flavor but did you know at the po at that point it would definitely wanted to be lime or were you thinking maybe orange or you know sort of lemon no or... yeah we really had quite a clear idea of what we wanted to create from very early on i think um and and that 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 really helped i think in in terms of um you know recipe development so if uh, and 
and and in fact we we decided to keep you know the number of bot botanicals we used you know relatively limited there's just the seven botanicals and you, you know you you you've got your starting point for london dry so obviously juniper uh we have licorice root oris root angelica root and then coriander seeds and you know that the, the, those are you know the, the key ingredients for any london dry gin um we were actually working at the time with with james porteous from electric spirit co he he was the person doing our recipe development for us um and um you, you know uh, having so few botanicals it keeps things set, uh, uh simple but at the same time there's nowhere to hide and it, it took a lot of work to make sure that those were all working in symbiosis and in, in good harmony with each other. Um, you know, I've come from 10 years in the wine trade, and we always talk about the idea of balance in wine, that no single aspect should be dominating in any way. Um, and so we, we, we very much wanted to achieve that with the gin. Um, and so, so yeah, you know, it was very clear as well that, that we wanted citrus and that it should be lime because we, you know, we, we'd found some, some nice local reasons and it, and it was also a flavor that, 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 that we felt would work well. And so, so with that London dry base, we, we added the lime and, and we use that, um, by, by, by adding uh, fresh lime peel, um, poor old Andy sits there peeling, uh, hundreds of <laughs> limes most weeks. Um, and, and so that goes in and then. Uh, as, as we sort of got the lime element working nicely, um, we did feel that it needed one other thing just to balance it off because the juniper and the, and the lime was lovely, but it just it was just missing something to counterbalance that. And so what we what we decided upon was pink peppercorns because they, they just give it that nice, earthy, slightly spicy touch that 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 in a sense in sense give it give it the the, the body and the grounding that the that the lime and juniper can sit on top of so it was yeah i i, I think we we went about it with a very clear idea of what we wanted to achieve it evolved a little bit in terms of the pink peppercorns but but um but it was all about fine tuning a very small ensemble of uh, of ingredients and I know you also sort of um, found that once you'd found the flavours, you actually sort of tied that back because uh, um, to you know sort of the the um, to, to Edinburgh because obviously you had James Lind um, mm -hmm. and then sort of Navy and then the lime sort of was a preventative for scurvy. I, I understand, but also didn't wasn't there a sort of tentative connection to sort of roses lime cordial as well. Yes, I mean, I only discovered that after, you know, the, the, the first thing I discovered was the story of James Lind. Um, and, you know, I grew up in Edinburgh and I never knew that the guy who, who was responsible for, um, you know, setting us on the path to curing scurvy had come from here. And that, that was an incredible story to discover. Uh, he's almost more celebrated for the fact that he conducted one of the world's first clinical trials. He put sailors into six groups and, and gave them each a separate diet and identified, you know, observed what happened. And no one had really taken that approach in science before. So, um, yeah, that, that was an incredible story to find. And then, yes, that this I, I discovered as well that, that, that it was in Leith that uh, Lachlan Rose uh, first created uh, Rose's Lime Cordial because before then, you know, uh, sailors on ships, they, they needed their lime ration, um, but to preserve the limes at sea, they were using alcohol. And Lachlan Rose found a way, to, uh, you know, he was a bit of a killjoy, really, because he found a way to preserve <laughs> limes instead with sugar and created this syrup um, for them to get their their, their citrus ration. Um, but then it became as popular on land as it was at sea. And, and you know, the, it's now a global brand owned by Coca-Cola. Um, so, so yeah, I, th I think it, it's... It cemented the idea that yeah, it's got to be lime. That that's that that's uh, that's a flavour and uh, uh, that that that's synonymous. Well, that, that, that there's great you know uh, local heritage to, and and that's what we should use. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. 
And and how would you sort of describe the flavour profile of linden lime? Yeah, well, I I, I think you know it does have different characteristics when it's neat and when when it's drunk with uh with uh with tonic i think when it's neat you get far more of the you get the juniper certainly but it, it far more of the the pepperiness i think comes through um and and that's actually largely because you know we bottle at 44 percent um and at that uh strength the the lime uh is is really bound up in the alcohol um uh it, it's sort of uh, that you know the the, the the lime from the peel uh, exists in the in the gin as as essential oils essentially from 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 the from the peel, and yeah, at that high strength, it's bound up. So you you get a a little bit of that that sort of tart citrus, uh, but but it's mainly that pepperiness, and I think it's got a very smooth texture as well, which I put down to the to the GNS to the organic GNS. I think it's a higher quality GNS, but to be honest, my my distillation uh, my distilling colleagues say that's nonsense, so I, I probably shouldn't. Repeat well, that. I, I, <laughs> I would I would say actually you've got something there because. I I know um, uh, the city of Aberdeen distillery uh, use organic um, uh, neutral grain spirit, and and essentially they they were sort of saying I, I did um, they they were trying to decide on their um, sort of signature London dry gin for for the for the distillery, and they wanted it to be sort of Aberdeen's gin, and they put out sort of four gins to try, and I must say when I tasted each one of those gins, they were absolutely fabulous, and there was definitely a sort of an elevation from from a normal sort of craft gin taste and i definitely put that down to you know the organic uh, neutral grain spirit so i definitely think there is something in it okay well that's interesting to hear there we go ah oh, so I'm, I'm not mad I'm... no you're not are you not mad at all i think i think definitely there's something in it there so <laughs> So there goes. So, so so that's it. Neat. But the, the moment you add anything to it that's going to lower the alcohol, you're releasing the lime that that's bound up in in uh, in those oils. Um. So I, I think the moment you you know you, you add tonic in, um, uh, that that's it's just incredibly you know out it comes. Um. And and so I think what you have particularly in a gin and tonic and, and i must say it's a gin and tonic that i absolutely love i love drinking our products very much um and it's incredibly refreshing it's incredibly dry it's very crisp it's just everything i want from a gin and tonic um and uh the the, the pepperiness i think uh in a gnt that lingers on the finish but but all of it lingers on the finish it stays in your mouth for a very long time um and uh yeah so so it's got a different characteristic there you know i've got to admit i haven't had it in a martini yet um i, I need to do that quite uh, very, very soon but I, i've yet to have it in a martini but um yeah that that's that's my take on the flavor profile yeah it's i mean it's very nice at a i did a 15 to 1 um kind of ratio and that um it, i must say that that was fabulous because you really got the you got the the lime and the pepperiness through it's just it's really really you know sort of lovely from from that that perspective it and and the thing is it's so again i think it is the organic neutral grain spirit it's so smooth you know that's mm. the thing with a dry martini you, you can't have you know you can't have any kind if it's not smooth enough you just can't it's just it's an absolute no abort having a dry martini. Yeah. Well, there we go. There's something in that organic, isn't there? There's something. I wonder the quality of the grain or what it is. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I totally agree. You know, in a gin and tonic with lime, orange, often you now a lot of gins that they sweet they sweeten it too much. Mm. So you either get it too sweet, or you know the lime or the orange comes through in such in such strength. That you've you've you have to choose a different tonic to kind of counteract that, 
And the thing mm, that I like yeah. about your gin is you don't have to do that at all. If you ha- you don't have to do anything to it, it just you can add it to a gin and tonic, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I I think that comes down to to using fresh lime essentially. I mean, uh, I I know what you mean. There's some gins out there that 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 you know have have a citrus sort of style on the label, and they, they range, I think, from you, you can have a confected style, you know, almost like a fruit pastel style, which, you know, is, is, is very much to a lot of people's taste and, and, and perfectly nice for what it is. Um, we, we wanted to go to the other end of the spectrum where it was very much, you know, you know, like biting into a, a lime almost. Um, and, and you were getting that fresh, uh, crisp um, and, uh, and citrusy blast from 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 the fruit. So. So, yeah, that that's and and in, indeed, uh, I tend to enjoy it uh, almost with, with a with a tonic that doesn't have too much sugar in it either. You know, I I, I do enjoy it with um you know fever tree uh, was it refreshingly light um that they're, they're sort of almost diet one although it's perfectly nice with the you know the 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 normal one um I like it as dry as possible um so, try, yeah. try it with the the medita- the um light Mediterranean that's what I have oh, yeah. that's oh, absolutely okay. lovely oh yeah, I'll give that a go yeah yeah definitely. <laughs> And um, sort of moving on from from the gin, you know, I could probably talk to you all day about it. So, I'll, I'll, you know, but I do need to sort of make sure that I talk about other things. Sure. Who who came up with the concept for the bottle? Because the bottle is very, very different, you know, being sort of wine bottle shape. Mm, yes. Well, the, the bottle was an interesting journey. So, um, you, you know, for a start, it was very clear to me that if you're if you're going to go into the gin market, such a crowded market, we needed something that was really going to stand out on the shelf. And for, for a long idea coming from the wine industry, I'd, you know, I, I'd seen this burgundy bottle shape that you have, um, almost like a champagne bottle uh, uh, in shape. I hadn't seen anyone else using it in the spirits industry. And so I thought that that could be an opportunity because, you know, that against the other spirits, the other gin bottles, it's going to stand out. It's got that negative space around it that, that's that's going to stand out. And and being a canny Scot, I, I thought as well, well, they make millions of those. So it'll be really cheap. We can get one off the shelf. <laughs> and and so we can get a really cheap bottle. And that's perfect for a startup. Uh, the challenge was, of course, that um, uh, in the EU, um, and of course, we're in the dying days of that, but the uh, it, it'll still be the same for us that, that um, uh spirits must be bottled in 70 cl bottles and wine is bottled in 75 cl bottles and i couldn't find a 70 cl bottle uh in the shape that i wanted um so eventually we came to the conclusion that we're gonna have to make our own bottle um and that, that that's normally a, a real kind of no-no for, for for a new brand because you know you're, you're gonna have to commit to well either paying thousands of pounds for for a mold uh for, for your bottle or commit to you know ridiculous volumes of glass um, in order to get that done. But um, we're lucky enough to to, to get in touch with a, a company from Italy who are able to offer us a deal where they said, look, if you can commit to twenty thousand bottles a year, we can do this for you. Um, and we thought to ourselves, well, if we're not doing twenty thousand a year, you know, we're we're not really in business. So so that's fine. We can do that. Um, and so began eighteen long, 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 long months of uh, of developing <laughs> this bottle because it is such a long process. Uh, so I, you know, from the moment I knew we could make our own bottle, I took that wine bottle shape and I said, let's put some ribs down it because the moment we put some texture into the glass, that's going to to to, to make it all the more enhancing. And furthermore, I'd I'd always loved this sort of slight greeny, bluey tinge of glass that you sometimes see, and it almost looks like a recycled style um and and so you know i said can we, can we have that and they said oh that that's off-white glass which is quite interesting actually you know they produce green glass and they produce white glass and in between that they're cleaning out the furnace of the green glass and they it, this is almost like the off cuts it's called off-white glass which oh, okay. is actually cheaper than green white uh, green glass or white glass so that was a real win that was pure serendipity <laughs> that the, the color i wanted was the cheap option so um 
someone someone was looking after me that day. Um, but yeah, you, you start off with that. I basically did a drawing. Uh, we gave it to our designers. They they professionalized it. Then um, you know that goes to to Italy. You know, many months of swapping drawings, tiny adjustments, and then you get your first three D model, which comes back in plastic and. Then you make an adjustment, you wait three months, you get another 3D model. And then we, you know, another three months and you get your first prototype. Um, but they spelt, you know, uh, uh, something wrong on the base of it. So we had to get another one. And before you notice, 18 months, but um, well worth it in the end. Um, and, and, and indeed, the, the bottle shape had a nice um, cue as well from, from, from where we are in Leith. Because um, as I mentioned, you know, the... Historically, Leith being Scotland's gateway to the world, we had all these barrels of wine or port arriving in the harbour here, and they had to be decanted into bottles. So there was a massive glassmaking industry in the harbour here called the Leith Glassworks, and they were producing tens of thousands of uh, glass bottles, um, of wine bottles. So we thought, you know, th there again is a lovely reason for us to be using uh, a wine bottle shape, and, and we marked on the base of our bottle, it's just a little Easter egg, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure 99% of people don't even notice this, but it says Leith Glassworks, which is just a little tribute to that to that industry that was once here. Um, so, so that's the bottle. And, and you know, uh, undoubtedly, the bottle has been key to our success um, because that's what makes people pick it up off the shelf the first time. Then they drink it, I hope, and enjoy it, and they buy another bottle. Um, you, you can fool everyone once. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, yeah, unfortunately, my bottle seems to have got a little bit hammered because I've, um, you know, sort of been doing a few cocktails and a few G&T, so... Uh... Ah. Okay, so that's I, for it. There we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think uh, I might have to uh, um, replace it very, very soon because uh, it's uh, one of those, you know, it's so it's so nice. You kind of want to do it, but I I kind of want to do something with the bottle. I think because the bottle is so, you know, it is as you say, it's just so different. Well, it's fun. To, you know, we we get sent pictures now of people making them into lamps and or filling them with lights and um, oh, uh, fabulous. Yeah, artist creating a sculpture with it as well it's uh, it's really awesome to see people doing stuff with it so um yeah it's 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 cool it's, and and yeah indeed it's a it's a bottle that people like to keep or, or, or they empty it and then use it for their slow gin that they make at home or i've seen people using it you know for to keep their olive oil in or whatever it might be i mean that that's that's just awesome to see it's it's to be honest it's you know in in this day and age of you know where we're trying to focus on sustainability and 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 and, and avoid waste, to have a bottle that people want to keep and reuse is a fantastic thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, do, what sort of where where do you think? Obviously, from a whiskey distillery, obviously it's to to build the distillery. But where do you think you want to go next with Linden Lime? Because I know we sort of had a, in our pre call, we we sort of talked about maybe developing other flavors, and you said no, you know this is the flavor we want to stick to, but do you see sort of going any any sort of further you know would you sort of consider i don't know um having an aged kind of aged cask kind of uh linden lime or or i mean yeah i'm afraid i've um basically no <laughs> i want to um <laughs> i want to keep linden lime entirely pure and exactly what it is basically i i i, I don't want to muddy the message with with um with other styles i mean for, for a start we'd have to change the name anyway you know if, if we're gonna not make lime from you know, no, keep no, part of it. no good point um, good point yeah um but uh yeah I, I i just want it to to stay pure and simple as uh, as what it is and if ever we want to make a different gin we'll make a different gin and call it something else um but um i mean uh, you know we, we we've got plans to do uh in fact they should have come out this year but they, it'll be next year in the end that we, we've got our miniatures uh which are exceedingly beautiful um and uh they're going to be a pain to fill but uh they'll be beautiful 
Um, <laughs> I want to do magnums as well. Um, uh, maybe oh, wow. Later. Um, and then uh, I'm also looking at doing a, a you know, a ready to drink, a, a, a pre-mixed uh, gin and tonic, um, possibly in a clear glass bottle. Um, uh, that, that, that I quite like is, you know, giving people our G and T exactly how we would have it. Um, but we've got a, the, the, the moment you're looking at that sort of product, again, you have to sort of be looking at quite formidable volumes. So, um, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. It's an idea at this stage. Sure. And and where do you think sort of next from a sort of obviously you're distributing to eight countries at the moment, but are you sort of considering I don't know going down the sort of supermarket route or or sort of other channels or are you sort of just going to stick to where you are at the moment? I I think I mean potentially, but really I I, I think at the moment you know we're 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 doing so well working with you know the incredible independent bottle shops that there are out there in the uk i mean there's also some great website you know master of malt and the, the, the whiskey exchange just made us gin of the year uh which was incredible oh, fantastic. Uh, for, for a like that. um and um you know that that's that's really nice distribution because these are people who sort of can hand sell our bottle and tell the story and um I, you know i like that there's there's plenty of wonderful products that the supermarkets are able to plow to uh, plow through and and it's nice sort of uh, having something that's more in the domain of the specialists um the the real focus for us actually is 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 exports um we're, we're actually by by the end of this year we're we're going to be in 14 um markets um and i think wow. by the end of next year uh we we should be well over 20 markets internationally um and 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 that's really um, you know the, the 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 core aim for us because uh, well it's a big old world out there and um, and you know our, our, our gin is proving really popular in so many other countries in in Germany and Denmark and Switzerland um, we uh, and, that, and now we're going into um, well we're, we're in Australia and Japan we'll be shipping to New Zealand and China and uh, Canada next year and and possibly the USA as well. Um, and you know, for, for us, that that also has a long-term kind of strategic aim because one day we're going to have lots of whiskey to sell as well. So, so we want those relationships in place so that the you know those countries uh, uh, will 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 sell our whiskey too one day. So, so yeah, that that's the real focus for us. Um, you know, if 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 one of the more sort of um, uh, 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 I don't know, maybe a waitress or or, or MS were interested in it, and and you know, you know that they're not going to undercut and and massively discount your gin because that's the problem with supermarkets. They want to discount things, and sure. at the moment you're discounting things, it really hurts the independent uh, retailers. So so you you don't really want to 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 damage um that the 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 business that we already have. No, no, no. I can, I can understand that. Um, no, it's it's just really interesting because you you've got sort of a very sort of unique sort of take on on where you want to take it and I, I think that's really it's really really interesting mm. um because you know lots of other distillers i've talked to maybe are thinking about different flavors or um you know maybe thinking about supermarkets or, or think and and it's just i'm just interested to you know see how you've 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 gone about it mm. um i just wanted to pick up before sort of a finish I, I just wanted to pick up on on some of the awards as well particularly uh, the Scottish Gin Award that you recently won. How how was that? <laughs> that was that was full of your seats. Um, amazing. <laughs> um, it was yeah. What what a shot. I mean, we have so many gins up here, um, and so many incredible gins being produced. You know, I think Scotland's really become quite a centre of excellence for gin production, and to win Best London Dry 
amongst all that competition was i mean i uh, to say i wasn't expecting it is an understatement it was you know i just thought we didn't have a chance uh, any chance and it was just extraordinary to, to to win you know there's there's only one gold medal and we got it and that's just incredibly exciting for us you know we we've we've won a lot of awards so far for 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 our branding and that's you know that's great um and uh it, you know uh, we're, we're very proud of with how we made it look but really you know as a producer it's it's what's in the bottle that you want people to recognize and i i think actually there's a danger in for some customers that, that you know they, they see a beautiful bottle and they go oh it's all if you're pardon the expression it's all fur coat no knickers um you know <laughs> so um uh you know to, to, to have something that that says no no the the the, the spirit is is as beautiful as the bottle is uh is just very special so yeah that that was that was extraordinary for us and we, we got a gold medal as well for the gin from the the gin masters um as well uh, earlier this year so so that's really cool and you know it's it's so easy you know i think back in the wine world um when i was when i was selling other people's wines you know it's, it's so easy to get cynical about about awards but actually when you're making the stuff it's it's incredibly gratifying yeah, absolutely <laughs> it's, it's a really lovely thing to get and i think it is useful for consumers as well you know there, there's some awards out there where yes they do dish out hundreds of medals and and that you know the meaning perhaps becomes diluted over time but there's others that that really do mean um you know mean something and uh, we, I know I was talking to Paul from the Gin Guide um, a few episodes ago. Um, mm. Is that something that you'd be looking to go to go into the Gin Guide Awards? Uh, potentially, yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it, we, we've been a little bit haphazard as to how we've approached things, actually. And and I think I think moving forward, we we hope to get a bit more systematic and and uh, and um, actually sort of you know apply for more of these things. Um, it, it, it's. Yeah, when you're a startup and you've got seven people, um, I think you know every day is a bit of a firefight trying to keep our heads above the water. <laughs> but, um, but I think I think in time we can, yeah, we can we can actually see all the awards out there and 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 actually apply for for more of them and 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 get our gin sort of you know out there in front of more people. I hope. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it, it's been um, great to talk to you um, and uh, been sort of fascinating, kind of you know your sort of sort of journey but how how can people kind of get in contact with you if they wanted to sure well i mean we, we actually kind of have three websites i guess so because um, i mean there's lindenline.com which which you mentioned earlier and that tells the story you know everything you could possibly want to know about the gin um we also have a, a website for our whiskey distillery leafdistillery.com um and then uh, they both feed into our, our our own online shop which is the leaf import export co um because we, we we created a shop that that sells not just our products but also some some spirits by other producers that we admire uh mainly local ones um and i mean we intend to sort of build up that range over time um and and also you know at, at the leaf distillery we we're importing a port and a sherry as well uh, from the producers whose casks we're going to use in the future so so we're already importing other people's products as well uh, under our own brand um, so yeah, that, that's that's three ways to find us. Um, uh, essentially, we were hosting tours here before COVID. Um, alas, with COVID, we we just don't have the space to do them with proper social distancing. So we we've had to suspend those. But hopefully, hopefully, you know, twenty twenty one. I have a feeling it's going to be a good year, and uh, hopefully, we can open up again and and host tours because we absolutely love doing them. They're great fun. Um, and uh, and then you can come and see us again. I mean, it must be said, our our gin distillery is in a very, very unglamorous industrial estate in Leith. We're right next. <laughs> if you ever have your car towed in Edinburgh, we're, we're right next to the car pound. Um, but but people come in here, they 
they see the the place that we're making it and i think it it is an exciting place to come and and we have a great time so hopefully okay. hopefully that'll happen again in 2021 and then obviously you're, you're on uh, twitter and instagram as lyndon lime aren't you and then lyndon lime yeah. gin on facebook yeah okay yes exactly yeah yeah okay. all over social media all I, over. I need to do that more often <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, so before you, uh, I'll, I'll let you go. There's a couple of questions that I always ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Um, okay. So what is your favorite gin other than your own and how would you serve it? Well, I think, I think I'd, it'd be remiss of me. I know, it, but it is also the truth that I am very fond of our, our Stillhouse Partners product, um, Acruis. Um, so, so James, James makes his gin. You can't miss his gin. It's, it's in a bright orange bottle um, and uh, really stands out off the shelf. And he, he, he is a superb distiller. He makes a fantastic product. And um, the, the key botanical in his is Szechuan pepper, which I think uh, oh, just wow. beautifully in a gin. Um, and it's a very, very pure note um, that sits in beautiful harmony with the... Um, with the with, with the juniper i mean james you know he's a one-man band um he's won a gold medal from the iwsc gold medal from the gin masters he's an exceedingly talented distiller and you know he he also uh, helped us devise uh, linden lime so i cannot speak uh too highly of his gin it's, it's absolutely excellent um and i, I love it in energy in i mean for me you know gin, gin and tonic is the way to enjoy gin it, it's it, it, it's it's step number one so yeah and and finally what does gin mean to you Gin to me, uh, I, I think it's, well, well, first of all, gin to me is the end of the day because it's, it's a drink, it, it's, it's when you want an alcoholic drink, but you're also, you want to be refreshed, you're a bit thirsty. Um, and so it's, for me, it's, it's holidays, it's relaxation. And, and for me, it's very, very synonymous with my late father, who was, uh, who, who always had a gin and tonic wherever he was. I remember, you know, whenever we went on holiday, dad would or order his G&T and we'd always go, well, how's it, how is it, dad? What's it like? And he'd go, oh, well, um, you know, they, they could have gone a bit heavier on the gin or whatever. We'd always get his reviews of, of his gin and tonic. <laughs> um, sadly, he passed away just before um, I, I was able to give him uh, one of our own gin and tonics, but, but oh, it, it has a great deal of, um, of, of meaning and, 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 and happy memories for me. So, so to, to be producing it and, and uh, making our own one is, uh, yeah, is a great thing. Well, thank you very much for coming on the Gin Ignite podcast. It's been absolutely fascinating talk, talking to you. I love the fact that you sort of tie the gin to, you know, sort of where you're from. Uh, I love the fact the taste of the gin is, you know, just absolutely fantastic. And anybody that hasn't tried it should absolutely try it. So thank you very much for, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. It's been a pleasure. My sincere thanks to Ian for talking to us about the Port of Leith distillery and more importantly about lind and lime gin it's so nice to find a gin that's so versatile kind of what i would term an all-rounder because effectively whatever you throw at it whether it's to be a sipping gin or dry martini or in a cocktail or g and t it just looks at you and goes yeah that's absolutely fine anything else you'd like me to do my instagram shout out this week is at nikki mendez uk I started following Nikki from very early on when I started on Instagram. And the thing I think I love about her account is how she makes you feel really engaged. She's really good at showing through her posts and her stories what's happening in her journey. And her journey essentially was starting The Only Way is Gin. And I'm sure you already know that she came on in episode seven of the podcast. And if you don't, you should definitely check it out, episode seven, because it's a really interesting story. 
I've been really enjoying her posts and her recent posts of port, gin and ginger ale all together sound really interesting and I particularly like the sort of addition of the grated nutmeg. I also really loved her post about the cocktail autumn vibes. It really sounded very, very interesting with the sort of orange, lemon, gin, simple syrup and egg white all together. I also was really enjoying the post that she did on the distilling course she did with Jamie Baxter. It was very sort of different from her Tesco background that she worked at for 23 years beforehand. You know, sort of distilling from, you know, sort of getting involved with with, uh, and being sort of a project lead was, you know, kind of quite different really. I was also proud of the post when she actually launched her gin as well. That's a really uh, sort of very important day in in her sort of journey. Finally, I love the picture of her in a poppy field on International Gin and Tonic Day. I also keep an eye on Nikki's stories and I love it when she does her piece to, to camera, which she does quite a lot. It's always so fun sort of being kept updated on her journey. So, Nikki, please keep it up and I will be adding you to my stories all week. I would love to hear from you if you want to get in touch at GinIgnite on Instagram or Twitter or gin.gossip at ginignite.com if you want to get in touch via email. The thing that I like about the gin community that I've met so far is that nobody judges anyone for what they believe, what they look like or who they choose to be. The world would be a better place if everyone took that view. Grab your drink, toast those you love, enjoy your weekend and whether you decide to party or stay in, I will be with you in spirit. Seriously though, enjoy your weekend and I look forward to joining you for another episode next Friday. Cheers! And just as a small postscript, a very Merry Christmas to you if you celebrate it and a happy new year. Look forward to talking to you next year. Cheers.